Hey, uh, before we begin, I just thought I'd let everybody know um, the language on this episode is probably going to be significantly worse than it has been in the past. Um, so if that's not your thing, you know, that's, I mean, this is going to be the reality of this podcast. Um, and with that said, uh, welcome to the Oklahoma Drill. It's Ryan and I, or sorry, it's Ryan and Alex. Um, and we're here after the Kansas game. And we're pretty ticked, I would say. Yeah, I'm pissed off. Um, yeah, I, I like I like how you you started with the a language thing, and then the first thing you say is that we're ticked. I think that's, that's <laughs> kind of funny. I'm wor- I'm uh, working into it, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just I got a bee in my bonnet about this. Um, <laughs> no, it's this is like <laughs> the defense played like ass yesterday, just total ass. They yeah. were just awful. Um, frankly, it was hard to watch. Like this team is hard. This team has like the best player in like maybe that I've ever seen. Right? Like the most exciting player to watch in college football, and also it's like borderline unwatchable. Yeah, that's my thing. Is just I I haven't enjoyed watching an OU football game since the Kansas State game. Um, yeah, it just. You know, there's been amazing things happening on on at least one side of the ball, and it's just I've either been too nervous or just flat out angry about what I've seen during the game to enjoy it. So, um, and that really, really sucks a lot. I tweeted after the game, you know, basically we have the best offense in the country and the best offensive player in the country, and we aren't a top echelon team. You know, like the fact that we aren't a national title contender with maybe the best single unit in college football is Mm -hmm. fucking crazy. Yeah, it's I makes me so goddamn mad. Like because and it's not just like this, this our offense isn't just good. It's historically good. It's better than last year's per S&B plus. Like it is a more successful, more explosive offense than last year's. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. Well, like, the thing about the way I look at it too, is that we're in the big 12 conference and you and I have talked for, for years about how the big 12 conference is kind of a shitty conference, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, we're basically the last four years we've carried this conference. Anything like super successful that has happened has been us. It's mm-hmm. we have carried the brand of this conference for the last four years. And at this point this year, we have an offense better than anything we've had. And our defense might be so bad that we can't even win this stupid conference. Yeah, we yeah. can't win in a conference that doesn't play defense. Because yeah. our defense is the worst one. And that is <laughs> insane. That is yeah. infuriating. And it is, you know, it is everybody's fault. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mike Stoops is the number one culprit in this. I mean, this guy, the way I look at it is that there is just overall, there's a cultural mentality problem throughout the entire defense that I think Mike Stoops brought to OU. And the reason why I say that is 
How many times in interviews over the years have we heard Mike Stoops talk about how, well, you're just not going to have a dominant defense in this conference. And yeah, technically speaking, like you're you're not going to have a top five like total yardage defense in this conference. Yeah, but, but like, to just concede the fact like that doesn't mean you can't have a dominant uh, defense in this conference. Yeah, you know, like, to concede that idea is insane. Yeah, it's I mean, really quick. Let's I mean, Iowa State's defense is top 30 nationally. Um, right. Texas's defense is top 15, or it's 56th nationally. Um, TCU is bad this year, but TCU has had good. Actually, their defense is top 30 as well. Like, there are right. good defenses in this conference. It's ridiculous well, to just throw your hands up and say, well, we can't play defense in the Big 12. It just doesn't happen. Because it TCU, does happen. Yeah, TCU's defense was elite last year. Like, one of the yeah. best in the country last year in the Big 12. And just... Yeah. Pretty much the since the I guess like after that first year Mike Stoops was back, it was just the message of well the offenses are just too good in this conference. What are you gonna do? You know we're gonna do our best, yeah. but we can't guarantee. Like and I just it I think that that um, is a huge part of what has ruined the mentality of this defense, man. Like because yeah. you know it I think he is he was obviously the leader of this defense for for six years, right? Yeah, six years, uh-huh. or was it seven? Six and a half years? Crap. Yeah, yeah. six and a half years. Um, so I think he's the number one culprit. I think Bob Stoops plays a pretty significant role in this because, you know, Bob Stoops was always very much in with Mike Stoops. Like he, uh-huh. I remember like vividly him talking about after that Texas Tech game. And, you know, they basically were trying to get him to say, like, to pin it on Mike. And he was like, guys, I'm just as big a part of this game plan as Mike Stoops is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of blame to hand out to Bob Stoops for this situation. Lincoln Riley deserves some blame yeah. in this. And to me, the, the blame for Lincoln is, like, you can't not fire Mike Stoops after last year. Like, that yeah. just... The fact that he even came into this season was crazy in itself. Um, but I also another thing that you can put blame on Lincoln Riley is is that like he might just be too good at what he does, you know. And it kind of covered up the fact that we were so terrible on defense because we were still winning games because mm-hmm. Lincoln is too good at what he does, you yeah. know. Well, I mean, and that's still like this team is. Now ten and one, um, and the offense like there's only been one instance in which the offense failed to score enough points to win, um, and it was close. And a game that if you like if you play that game ten times, oh, you probably wins nine of them. Um, and yet, you know, like that's still not acceptable, like no. because it means that like. <laughs> An offense shouldn't have to work as hard as his offense does to win games. Like, right. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, I mean, the idea that I mean, it just seems like that they don't realize that they're winning games in spite of the defense. You know. Yeah. Like that yeah. is that has been a thing for the, at least the last since Lincoln Riley. Since 2016, I would say like 2015, mm-hmm. our defense was okay that year. 
but since 2016, largely it's just we've won in spite of what our defense is doing. Um, and so I think that that kind of hurt the mentality as well is because if you look at the defensive players on this team, like they talk as much shit as our offense does. Pro- they talk more shit than our offense does because yeah. they always win. They're like, mm-hmm. we always beat you guys, you know? So like, I see it from that angle where it's like, yeah, if you always beat everybody, then like, yeah, talk shit. But then they, if you look at their contributions to it, it's just like, how can they like, how does it go through their head that like, yeah, we sh- we're able to talk shit because of our contributions to this, you know? Yeah. And yeah. like, let's not like specifically during this Kansas game, I was just like in awe of what some of our guys were doing, man. Like, and I don't normally like talking about, you know, this kind of thing because honestly, like, in a lot of situations, it's college kids, you know, yeah. and let them have fun. Mm-hmm. But it is absolutely embarrassing to get the ball run down your throat by Kansas. And mm-hmm. then you get over right before halftime and you're trying to get into a fight with them on their bench before you go into halftime. Like that was yeah. our defensive guys that initiated that. Yeah. You know, like how are they not just like, wanting to get into the locker room and fix their shit, man. Yeah. Like they're, yeah. they're too busy talking shit to can to fucking Kansas, man. Kansas is one of the worst programs in division one. And yeah. our guys are too busy talking shit to focus on the fact that, Hey, we need to get into halftime and fix this shit before it becomes a yeah. big problem. Yeah. Like to give you like, Here's some stuff about Kansas's um, like Kansas's rushing marginal efficiency, including this game, is 88th in the country. Right, their success rate on offense ranks 121st in the country. Right, they are 36% of their plays are successful. That's horrible, and they yeah. looked like they scored 40 points. They outgained the best offense maybe in history um, on a yards per play basis. Yeah. <laughs> that is yeah that's ridiculous like right. and that's embarrassing no, i i can't like i just i have no idea what is going through these guys' head because you know i thought and i know that you agree with me is i think we both you know we thought mike stoops and we still think mike stoops was the biggest problem but we thought he was a big enough problem that when he got let go, things would not be able to get worse and they would probably improve mm-hmm. noticeably. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think, you know, obviously neither one of us thought that things could happen like they have and they just have gotten worse, mm-hmm. you know, like granted, you know, played well for two weeks against like, have you watched TCU lately? Like that team is done. Yeah. They beat Baylor this weekend. They scored 16 points against fucking Baylor who like incompetent defense to the max right now. Um, and then Kansas state, like they're awful. They're just completely terrible. Um, so like I, yeah, two great performances, but then the three performances since then the last two weeks, especially have been, you know, two of our three worst performances of the season, you know, and I, I just didn't see it coming. 
You know, I, mm-hmm. I thought that, you know, Ruffin would get it. Like, Ruffin's a motivator. And I yeah. think overall, right now, like, I've, I've never seen a less motivated-looking defense. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I'm not saying they don't care, but, like, nothing that I see on the football field makes me think that they do care other than when they're out there celebrating after holding a team on third down, even though they have to defend a fourth down on the next play, mm-hmm. and or when they're trying to start a fucking fight before halftime. You know, like that's the only time that I see that they care. So to me, all that these fucking dudes care about is celebrating or fighting on the field. You know, like to me, that's where their energy is going. And Mm -hmm. like that is insane to me. Like that blows my damn mind. Yeah, this is where we are. Yeah, it's I mean, I just look Puka Williams Jr. Like. He's a good player, obviously. He is a freshman. <laughs> like, he is 19 goddamn years old. Um, mm-hmm. And he did average almost 17 yards a carry. 15 rushes <laughs> for 250 yards. He looked Dude, he, like, you know. He fucking Tavon Austin us, man. Yeah. He yeah. was fucking Tavon Austin out there. It's, yeah. So that's unconscionable. Like, at one point... At one point, Puka Williams Jr. gave uh, Curtis Bolton, who is an adult man, a piggyback ride and then ran for like 15 yards. Dude, that play was like this defense in a nutshell. You know? Yeah. Like that is that is this defense. Um, because it starts with Curtis Bolton reading the play perfectly, mm-hmm. getting there, wrapping him up, he literally, like, he literally wrapped him up. Like, yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. But then, like, at the, after that point, it was just, like, nobody cared to actually bring him down to the ground. Yeah. Because it wasn't just Curtis Bolton who didn't get him to, down to the ground. Puka no. Williams is 5'10", 170, by the way. Um, but <laughs> Curtis Bolton couldn't get him to the ground. But then uh, our other fucking middle linebacker comes in. Kenneth Murray doesn't get him to the ground. And then Ronnie Perkins comes in and doesn't get him to the ground. All three of those guys significantly bigger. Ronnie Perkins yeah. probably has 100 pounds on Puka Williams. And none of them cared enough to get that dude on the ground. Yeah. You know? It looked like, it literally looked like, especially Murray and uh, Perkins, it looked like, well, shit, I'm here. That's all I got to do. You know what I mean? Like, it looked like that yeah. was going what through their head at that moment. Yeah. I got here and that, that's all I have to do now, you know? And yeah, that's just, that's, that's not it, man. That ain't mm-hmm. it chief. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. It's worth noting that, um, Curtis Lofton, uh, called the defense out on this shit, which yeah. was kind of incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, as Danny essentially said, like, you know, it's like, a, it is embarrassing to watch the team I play for be this bad and B, like, I wish that they cared half as much about playing defense as they did about starting fights. Yeah. Yeah. I think his like exact quote was, it'd be nice. Well, I'm not even, I don't even have the quote up and I'm about saying that that's the exact quote. Let me pull it up. Actually. Shouldn't be hard to do unless he uh, deleted it, which I bet he hasn't. 
Uh, I just oh, wish yeah. the guys who want to hit and fight people after the whistle blows would use that same toughness each play. Hashtag Oklahoma football. Yeah. And yeah, don't forget the, the rolling eyes emoji. Very <laughs> yeah. important to the tone of the tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's just like Curtis Lofton was an All-American at OU. Mm-hmm. Like, he is who Kenneth Murray should want to be. He is who Curtis Bolton should want to be. And, like, he is literally embarrassed by the effort that they put forth on the field, man. Like, this this is Kenneth Murray who I, – and, like, I like Kenneth Murray. I think he's got potential. You know, mm-hmm. I've, we've always been complimentary of him. But this is the guy that watched the Rose Bowl 72 times because he didn't ever want to see that happen again. You know, yeah. This is that guy. And things well, it just, just – yeah. It just happened it just against works. Kansas. It just happened against Kansas. You're not playing Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. You're playing Puka Williams. Great yeah. name, by the way. Shout out to Puka. Like that's a, mm-hmm. that's an awesome name. Uh, but yeah, you're playing Puka Williams and Khalil Herbert and getting, you know, running for over 340 or for 348 yards. Like mm-hmm. absolutely embarrassing. And my thing too, like Curtis Bolton, again, like another guy, like. I've grown to like his personality this year. Like, I think he's got a pretty good personality. Um, after every goddamn game, they ask him, and he always says the right shit, man. He's always, you know, it's just about having pride. You've got to take pride in what you do. We've got to, you know, we've got to tighten this up. We've got to have the effort to to match the the attitude or whatever. You know, it's he always says the right thing, but nothing changes, man. Like, yeah. Curtis Bolton's probably our best defensive player, but even he is like severely flawed in just simple ways, you know, simple yeah. effort plays that he won't make. But then at the same time, he's out there saying, well, you just got to put forth the effort to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you do. Like, you have to do it. Like, I mean, I've seen, you know, I do a fair amount of teaching and like any teacher ever is probably has seen students where they like, have problems and then but they always know what their problem is and they can tell you exactly what they need to do to fix it mm-hmm. but they just never will and that is this defense in a nutshell like i guarantee yeah. you every guy on this defense knows why they are failing especially you know like i think there are some situations you know you're playing a great offense and you know there's just sometimes there's nothing you can do but when you're playing fucking kansas I guarantee you every guy on that defense knew exactly why they weren't able to stop fucking Kansas. Yeah. You know, like it was nothing special. It was a lot of it was just tackle the damn ball carrier, mm-hmm. you know, and like, that's it. And all every guy knows this. Most of them, I guarantee you, um, have at times said why, like what they need to do to fix the issues that they're having defensively this year. And I haven't seen a single guy actually take the steps to actually to do that on a consistent basis mm-hmm. and that's cra- that's just crazy man like i i don't know how these guys are a are how how are they not embarrassed by this man yeah like, how do they not have enough they should have enough ego to where this is just not okay and they're embarrassed by this mm-hmm. yeah and it's just so <laughs> can't like Okay, I've gathered myself here. So, um, Bill Connolly's advanced statistical profiles pre- pre- for, like 
present a percentile performance uh, rating of each game a team play or each game a team plays, right? So, um, like in this game versus Kansas, like the offensive percentile was eighty six percent, and it's that's actually like the worst rating we've gotten. And the reason for that is just that like you really can't beat Kansas by enough. Like, mm-hmm. like the projected margin in this game was like forty-two points. Um, so yeah, you're like a one hundred percent percentile performance against Kansas looks like, you know, seventy-seven points on the board, and that's just you know, that our offense doesn't play fast enough to actually score seventy-seven points most of the time. It doesn't need to. Mm-hmm. Um, the defensive percentile was twelve, twelve <laughs> percent. Um, as a result, that, that is that's by far the worst we've had this year, right? Actually, uh, against Oklahoma State, it was nine percent, but Oklahoma State is a significantly better offense than Kansas's. Okay. Um, as a result, um, the overall percentile performance we put on the field was forty-five percent. Uh, we look like a below-average team in total in this game, and like this game, like if Tua shits the bed against Auburn next week and like has like three picks and they lose like which is unlikely but could happen and kyler wins the heisman like his 75 yard draw touchdown on the in this game is like gotta be remembered as like a heisman moment and it came in a game that was ultimately a below average performance on the whole because this defense sucks that bad right yeah well i just i don't have anything good to say about what they put on the field man like just every level of the defense there was no penetration um yeah starting up front on the defensive line i know neville galmore was out but we talked about it before neville galmore is only good for like two or three plays a game maybe if you get a good game from neville galmore like he's only gonna embarrass the guy across from him like once a game you know and they might make a couple plays in the run game but he's not like a huge difference maker or anything um, linebackers. This I thought this might have been Kenneth Murray's worst game of the season, with mm-hmm. just how many times, like, do you remember how many times, like, you could just see him in the middle of the field, Puka Williams running right at him. He's right there, ready to make a play, and he just like his head is down. He's not even looking at the ball carrier, and he's he's just kind of like sticking his arms out like he's about to try to hug him, you know. Yeah. And then Puka Williams because Puka Williams is not blind, just decided I'm going to run around this guy who is larger than I am. Uh-huh. And he just missed the tackle every time. Yeah. I just, like, I don't, there's a, like, our, I don't know. It's, and it's, it's effort. <laughs> I, I can't put into words how mad I am. Like yeah. the, um, every single time a player one of our players is faced with a ball carrier in space. There is it. They look so slow. They look so reactive. They don't attack the ball at all. Like they never come, they never come to meet the guy. Like there's never any attempt to limit the limit yardage gained. It's always like, well, I don't want to look stupid and mess up. So I'm going to let him come to me. And then you do look stupid and mess up because you can't make the tackle. Yeah. Because you turn yourself into a tackling dummy. Yeah, Kenneth fucking Murray is bigger, faster, and more athletic than 75% of the running backs he's played against this year. 
at yeah. least. Like that guy is a freakish athlete. He's humongous. He looks exactly like you would want a fucking middle linebacker in the Big 12 to look like. Yeah. And that dude does that all the fucking time, man. Like every fucking time he's in there trying to make a tackle, it's just that shit where he's waiting on him. Curtis mm-hmm. Bolton, maybe a little bit more aggressive, but there's a lot of times he's doing that shit too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then like, don't like the secondary is it? Yeah. Just any pass, like any pass, any pass to the underneath is like they're gonna get by the guy, and like if they right. tackle him, it's gonna be after they pick up yards after the catch. Like yeah, the the only guy that I think in the secondary is like even okay is Robert Barnes, um, mm-hmm. from a tackling standpoint, and like it'd be really bad if he weren't because he's just a massive person, you know, yeah. back there. So like if he had some like major tackling issues, then like he just wouldn't be a college football player. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, but everyone else horrible. Trey Brown awful tackling tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he that's been that's been one of the things consistently for the last two years that I've thought about Trey Brown is that he's our best tackling corner. Like that guy, I was always confident in him tackling. The last two weeks, nope. Yeah, not really. It's kind of regressed. And like that's the thing, you know how many time how many DBs have gotten worse playing for us, and uh-huh. it just yeah. seems like that's just happening within one single season now for Trey Brown. Yeah, you know so. That's a concern. Um, let's talk about the coaching staff because, yeah. you know, we kind of shit all over the players. And, like, one thing I will say is that we are very banged up in the secondary. Yeah. Um, like, however, like, I'm not giving them a pass because the guys that are hurt are also bad. Like, they have done <laughs> the exact same shit yeah. that guys that we're talking about have done. Yeah. Like, we're not, it's like, not like they're better players are out. Yeah. Stand in front of God and everyone and say that Khalil Houghton would have made that defense perform- defensive performance better. Like, yeah, yeah, Khalil Houghton, Jordan Parker, Delarian Turner. Yeah, no, I'm not buying any of that shit, man. Like, all of those guys are bad, um, for the most part. You know, at the very at the very best, they're inconsistent. Um, so, no, I will not accept that, and I'm gonna shit all over them anyways. Um, so let's talk about the coaching staff because I think. I mean, like we talked about Mike and the mentality of the defense. Another another factor is I I just don't know. I feel like the switch to Ruffin McNeil, uh-huh. while you know, we thought it was going to be the move, like I think we thought, like we obviously we love Ruffin McNeil and we thought it was going to work. Yeah. But I think that it might have been the wrong move in the sense that, you know, we're talking about a mentality and these guys just, they don't get it. Uh-huh. And I think all of that comes down to accountability. And yeah. I don't think like, that's just not Ruffin's thing. You know, Ruffin's always yeah. a guy, like it's always the players seemingly are always right. Like he's going to throw stuff out. Like if a guy's not getting it, he's going to throw it out. And like, that sounds good. But at the same time, you have to like evaluate it and think about why is this guy not getting a concept that you're that you taught during the week? Yeah, you know. Well, and it's like it's the sort of thing where, like Ruffin's approach, like we thought that 
Ruffin was going to help because, like, he's a good guy. He's a nice coach, and he could, like, further improve that, like, we figured that there were probably, like, confidence issues built around having this large asshole yell at everyone all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, but, like, Ruffin's approach makes sense, like, and it has been successful when he's taken over programs where the problem is talent, right? Right. Like, at Texas Tech, like, the reality is that, like, the players just weren't, like, recruited. Like, they didn't have the recruiting to have, this, like, the caliber of athlete necessary to field an incredible defense. And the yeah. same at ECU, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas, and, like, from that standpoint where it's, like, it's about instilling belief in oneself and all of that, like, that makes sense. You know, that works. Um, yeah. But if the guys can do it and they just, you know, for whatever reason, don't, then, right. you, you know, like... <laughs> I don't think that it's a confidence problem because, well, it's, yeah. I mean, for Look one it. thing, they, they're, they're totally fine with like, they certainly seem to believe them, believe in themselves when they're jawing off to the other team. Right. Yeah. Look at Buki Radley Hiles and tell me that guy isn't confident. Yeah. Like, that guy's one of the most confident motherfuckers I've ever seen on a football field. And he hasn't done anything this year. Mm-hmm. Like, I hate to say it like that guy. I, I still think he's got potential, and I'm not giving up on him. I'm not writing him no. off. Yeah. But watching that guy play with as much shit as he talks, he comes out there with that fucking sledgehammer. Like, <laughs> are you yeah. – the thing – okay, we've got a damn sledgehammer. We have a sledgehammer that's supposed to be our fucking turnover chain. How many fucking times have we used this sledgehammer? I need to stop dropping F-bombs. I'm sorry, guys. How many? <laughs> how many times – have we used been able to use that sledgehammer well yeah it's like we've i mean pro- what have we forced like nine turnovers this year yeah we've most recovered of them being meaningless at the fumble. end of games yeah yeah when's the last time when's the last time we had an interception yeah an interception that mattered like i don't even when's the care. last interception we got that mattered i don't care about like i think i first of all i don't think we've had an interception all year that has mattered I'm trying yeah. to remember. I'm 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 struggling. Um, the last interception I can think of is against TCU, mm-hmm. where Parnell Motley picked off Michael Collins after we had the game well in hand, and yeah. that that yeah that is that's our last interception. <laughs> like we're talking three full games. Yeah. No, we're talking four full games have happened since the last time we've had an interception. And yeah. we had that stupid sledgehammer sitting there <laughs> waiting to be used. And it's like, it's honestly kind of funny because it just kind of like, it completely illustrates the idea that these guys are just not self-aware. I feel like, yeah, you know, is that they have this thing that they, they're like, oh yeah, this is going to really motivate us to get turnovers. And then they just haven't been able to use it. You know, uh-huh. it's it like, it's kind of that thing where it's, it's like, they know what they need to do, and they are, they are like, doing these, like, little shitty things that they think will help them, but they're not doing what actually needs to be done that can help them get the job done. Like, they're doing, like, shitty stuff, like, little ancillary things that they think, oh, this will help us and get us there, but it's really not the case. Like, they, yeah. they just don't know, you know? And, like, that leads me back to the coaching staff. Like, they, I, I... You know, I'm not going to hit on Lincoln and, and these guys, but I feel like that should be addressed, right? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the sort of thing where it's like, it can't be okay that you let Kansas score 40 points. Like, it can't be okay. And I feel like there's a degree to which it's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and it also, it can't be okay to give up 40 to Kansas and still do all the stupid jawing and the fighting and then have the stupid sledgehammer and all that stuff. Like that extra can't be okay. Like that is just contributing to the terrible mentality that this defense has, you know? Yeah. Because I think the fact like letting them have that kind of deal when they haven't done anything to deserve it, you know, Mm -hmm. like that to me is, is an issue. Yeah. You know, and like, it's just, it sucks like overall. And like, it's just everyone's fault. So there's really no single person to blame in this situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because you know, like Mike Stoops isn't there anymore now to like blame for, for what is currently happening, like from a week to week basis. Uh-huh. Um, and so it sucks because it's like, oh, shit, it's just it's just everybody. You know, yeah. like I thought I thought if we would see improvement that it would be like, OK, yeah, Mike Stoops was just he wasn't good. He like I, I still think he like ruined the mentality and the I think his schemes were stupid. Um, uh-huh. But it's just it go it obviously it just goes a lot deeper than what we had thought it was. Yeah. Know? And it's yeah. just something that can't be fixed with what we currently have. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> so let's, let's keep talking. Let's, let's talk more about the, the staff because mm-hmm. um, I think after the Mike Stoops thing happened, we talked and we talked about guys that they would probably want to retain. And I think both of us were on the retaining. We were fine with retaining Calvin Thibodeau, mm-hmm. um, maybe Ruffin McNeil. And then I think Kerry Cooks, we were like, we need to give him a chance because, you know, I think we had in our head that Mike's well, yeah. well, were so, screwing yeah. with his guys. Yeah, there was so, there was so much, like, dis- especially because after Mike left, there was so much discussion about personnel changes happening, specifically in the secondary. And it was like... Okay, Mike didn't know what he was doing with that personnel group. Let's give Kerry time. Yeah, exactly. It's become clear that <laughs> Kerry Cooks has not received time, um, yeah. and his secondary sucks. So, suck. You know. Yeah, this is. I mean, this is his fourth year at OU, and so every player that's out there was a guy he recruited. Mm-hmm. So if the players are bad, it's still on Kerry Cooks. You know. Yeah. And. Like, yeah, there's clearly a development issue happening in the secondary. Um, yeah. And I think that we can both agree that that development issue was something that kind of popped up after he has, after he got here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, so that's yeah. a huge issue. I don't think there's any real case to be made that Kerry Cook should be retained. Like, I just, I he, he's a good, like, he relates well with high school kids. And that was kind of why I thought he might be nice to keep. But, like. He's just not a very good football coach, you yeah. know, or yeah. there's something keeping him from doing a good job here, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that's an issue. I think obviously Tim Kish, you know, he's gone. Like there's yeah. no, there's nothing, there's nothing positive to say about what Tim Kish has done. Like he's mm-hmm. bad. He's been bad since the day he got at OU, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's his a position. disaster, his yeah. position group, like, He's got a fifth-year senior out there, 
and making freshman mistakes. He's yeah. got a guy who started every game since his true freshman year that hasn't developed in the way that they thought he would. Yeah. Um, so it's and also like it's not all his fault, but they moved Caleb Kelly to the will, and he wasn't able to grasp grasp the concepts well enough. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure, a lot of that's on Caleb Kelly, but like, you've got to be able to coach up a five star linebacker yeah. Yeah. to be able to at least be able to be a useful player on the football field. Yeah, you know? like, and it just hasn't happened. Yeah, is there a position on the field that Caleb Kelly couldn't play for Kansas? I no. Like, yeah. no. And no. We, he's not we he's simply not capable of playing will linebacker to spec when Tim Kish is coaching him. So, like yeah. I I can't yeah. Yeah, there's no like he's got to go. Um I think I, I love Ruffin. I think it it's probably I think he will probably retire. I mean, Lincoln's not going to fire Ruffin McNeil and no. I don't think I don't even think that he should. Um but I, I think that there needs to just be a, yeah, like you, you helped me transition into being a head football coach. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that's why Ruffin McNeil came here. Like Absolutely. I think Lincoln yeah. wanted a guy on staff that he could trust and help him kind of make mm-hmm. that, tra- that transition. And that job is done. Like Lincoln is a full, like this is, he's about to finish up his second year. You know, I think he can do the job. You know, yeah. I think he's a good football coach. I don't think he needs that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's probably time for Ruffin to, you know, if he wants to stay and do an administrative, like a, I don't even know, just like a yeah, like consultant he, type thing. Sure, pay yeah, him. I don't care. That, but That's fine. Like, yeah, I don't care about that at all. Like, yeah, he can. Yeah. I don't think it would be bad for Ruffin to stick around in some capacity. But like, yeah, he probably doesn't need to be a coach on the coaching staff. No, no, he doesn't. And then. um. Calvin Thibodeau, like Bob Diaco, he's out too. Like he hasn't been here yeah. very long. And, you know, there might be a better case for him than any of these guys because he just hasn't been a part of what's happened for very long. Yeah. It's, that's the sort of thing where it's like, if, legitimately okay. yeah, if like whoever we bring in decides they want to keep Diaco and Diaco's fine with it, I would be fine with it. But yeah, like, same. yeah, I agree. Um, and then with Thibodeau, it's tougher for me. This is the toughest one because he has done a legitimately good job on the recruiting trail, and I yeah. think he deserves credit. Um, like, but if you look at it, you know, he this is his this is his third year, right, at OU, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, again, not seeing a lot of the development that we we need, and like I know we've defended the run well this year uh from a statistical standpoint prior outside of army and kansas i understand Uh that overall we've defended the run well but i don't i kind of feel like i did in 2014 where i was like yeah our running numbers are good but i feel like it's mostly because teams didn't really try to run on us that much yeah because they knew they could throw on us you know i feel like if a team just really wanted to they just said all we really can can do is run the ball. Like, if we were to play LSU, I think LSU would run for 300 yards on us because that's yeah. just what LSU <laughs> does, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think they would probably beat us down uh, up front. And, yeah, they would still throw well on us. But I think a large part of it has just been – like Oklahoma State last week, 
we decided we wanted to stop them from running the ball, so we devoted a lot to it. So uh-huh. OSU was just like, okay, well, we'll just throw for 500 yards, you know? But, yeah. I mean, I think OSU still, they would probably could have established the run if they kept at it and they were actually, like, persistent with it. I think they would have established a run game eventually, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, and put it's, plenty of yards on us. Yeah. Like, fundamentally, teams... We wouldn't be like one of the worst defenses in the country in terms of efficiency if we were winning the battle at the line every game. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And just when you get a when we get a an offense in the third and one, third and two, there is almost as there's like a one percent chance that we're going to stop them. Yeah, you know, and that one percent is the other team commits a penalty. You know, yeah. like. If they run right at us and nothing happens, like there is no chance we're getting them in the backfield for a loss. Like it's just not going to happen. I watched Maryland play Ohio State, and Maryland stuffed Ohio State in multiple and one situations. You know, second and one, Maryland stuffs Ohio State. They had to try something else, you know, and it just like the fact that we just haven't seen that this year. Yeah. I think and the talent gap between Maryland times. and Ohio State, like it's it's worth it. like the talent gap between Maryland and Ohio State, is probably not as large as the talent gap between Oklahoma and Texas, but it's not like or Oklahoma and Kansas, but like it's not dissimilar. No, like it's not. No, Maryland was throwing freshmen out there and stuffing them in the run game, you yeah. know, and like we can't do that. Are you are you serious? Like that that's a huge problem. Um, I. I, I could listen. I could be talked into keeping Thibodeau for one more year. Um, but again, that's another situation where it's like, you know, uh, our new defensive coordinator comes in and decides he likes him. You know, like uh-huh. it, that's the, the situation. Like, I don't think there should be any situation where Lincoln's like, I want you to keep this guy. You know, like let the defensive coordinator make that decision on his own after he comes in and evaluates the situation because. Like, I mean, it's not good up front, man. Like, we can't, yeah. and like, our pass rush, non-existent. Yeah. Kenneth Mann, Kenneth Mann doesn't have a sack this season. That just seems statistically <laughs> unlikely. Yeah. It, Kenneth Mann doesn't have a sack this year. And it's not that he hasn't had the opportunity to. He's, like, there have been games where he has been played into the ground. Yeah. No, <laughs> that guy has played so many snaps like that's why it is literally like it is a statistical you know it's just statistically unlikely that he wouldn't have a sack and that's where we are with him and that was a guy that was our leading returning sack guy and was most people were thinking that's probably going to be our best pass rusher this year and zero sacks zero that's insane i'm looking up our, our total sack numbers um it's not a pretty, pretty statistic. No, no. it's well. It's like, uh, uh, like when I think about defenders who can pass rush, like Curtis Bolton. <laughs> so our will linebacker, um, yeah. and yeah, no, our our inside linebackers are the one are have are the ones that have combined for the most sacks. They're tied both tied with four sacks. Like right. that's not good. Like we can't. If you can't get any pressure at all, 
rushing four, then there's not a lot you can do to defend a team, you know? Yeah. Like, that yeah. is one of the myriad ways that in which this defense fails. Like, yeah. We have 22 sacks on the season. Yeah. And, like, I like just looking, um, it looks like maybe nine total sacks from defensive linemen. Yeah. And you're throwing, Mark, I mean, you're throwing Mark Jackson. In and there, that and includes like, Mark Jackson. Yeah. He's really more of a, an outside linebacker. Yeah. 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 Well, no, yeah. I guess Amani Bledsoe has a sack, so it's 10, including Mark yeah. Jackson, who is more of an outside linebacker. Right. Think about how many snaps Amani Bledsoe, Neville Gallimore, and Kenneth Mann have played. And yeah. they have combined for four sacks on the season. Yeah. It's just, if you, yeah, if you can't at least sometimes get pressure with a four-man rush, then, well, first off, a defense has no reason to respect your pass rush at all. So they have Mm -hmm. no reason to not send out, you know, five eligible receivers on every play. Um, They're blocking schemes. It's whatever the hell they want to do. Like, we're just doing nothing. There's nothing happening on the line to dictate what what an offense can't do against us. Um, and like, and the, like, the crazy thing is like, I'm arguing that like the fault of the defense is that is happening up front. It is just as valid an argument to say that the fault of this defense is happening at the back end. Like, right. Well, because, you know, we talked about it being statistically unlikely and really what plays into that is it has to be a combination of guys, not just not being great, which Mm -hmm. nobody up front is great for us. And the fact that. The other team is able to get rid of the ball so easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a combination of those two factors that has produced like insanely low sack numbers this year. Yeah. Um, but I also think that there's something that you have to look at is, you know, you have to do things like our, our coaching staff hasn't done anything to try to create pressures. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like they've just been trying to do the same thing. Like just, you know, we'll we'll probably get there eventually. Right. You know, it just seems yeah. like they're coming, but no, if you can't, if you can't do anything to get pressure and your defensive backs can't cover anybody, uh-huh. then like, why wouldn't you just blitz your ass off and just hope that something can come of it? You know? Yeah. Like, cause if you blitz your ass off, you will get pro- like, if you're sending more guys than they have to block, you'll get pressure on the quarterback. Like you might leave openings like crazy, mm-hmm. but at least you're doing something to make yeah. them like uncomfortable. Yeah. And I, I just, maybe, maybe it has something to do where they just, they don't feel like they can do that because they need more guys on the back end because we can't tackle, mm-hmm. you know? And like, in which case, just my God, that's crazy. But um, yeah. yeah, I just, I, I can't, there's nothing there's nothing good going on. And there's there's really I I think we just need a complete and total overhaul. Like if if you made me pick between keeping Calvin Thibodeau or letting him go at this point, I'd let him go. And just completely everything new. You know? Everything. New yeah. leader and then let him bring in his guys that he wants, man. Like and that's that's just where you go with it. Yeah. Um do we want to talk about who we think it's going to be, or do you have anything else? Um, I just, just one more way in which this defense is just the stupidest thing. Do you know who, um, 
the top can you name without looking the top three players on our team in terms of passes broken up? I think Amani Bledsoe is probably up there. He is third. He That's actually there. Parnell Motley and Trey Brown have both broken up eight passes. Well, I guess Trey Brown has three picks, so he's broken up. I guess technically eleven. Then Parnell Motley has three picks. Parnell Motley, yeah, has three picks, so he's broken up eleven passes. So he's in first. Trey Brown has eight, and uh, Amani Bledsoe has seven. Well, you, I was, I was going to keep guessing. You, you oh. gave, you gave it up. Okay, I did fine. give it that's away. Fine. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's. Amani yeah, Bledsoe does have more passes broken up than run stuffs. All right, guys, we have five interceptions this season, and I think literally one of them meant anything. The yeah. Kenneth Mann interception meant something. Yeah. Like, I think that is the only one that mattered this year. All mm-hmm. three, like, Parnell Motley. And the thing is, like, since we only have five, I can remember every single one of them just right off the top of my head. Yeah. Because, of course, I can. Yeah. Parnell um, Motley's were all meaningless. His first interception came against Iowa State on that last possession. Would have He could have easily just knocked it down. Same result. Fine. Yeah. Um, Army, same thing. Fourth down, knock it down. Everything's fine. You mm-hmm. know, meaningless. And then TCU in the second half where we were blowing him out, he got an interception down by the goal line. Great. The guy threw it right to him. Awesome. He didn't yeah. drop it. Good Good for him. Yeah. Kenneth Mann had the one meaningful one where we actually yeah. stopped Army somehow. Mm-hmm. And then Robert Barnes had one against Ford Atlantic after we are we were up by 50. Yeah. And that's that's our interceptions this year. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> that is insane. Five interceptions and 22 sacks this year. That's what we have to show for for all of our efforts this year. Uh-huh. I like I I don't I'm not sure I've ever seen anything that that bad in those kind of. Um, uh-huh. What are where are we in havoc rate? Uh, low. <laughs> it's yeah. low. Um, let me find it because it's you know it's worth looking at. Um, have overall havoc rate 91st in the country. There we go. Um, in defensive backs, it's 99th. De- our defensive lines havoc rate is 60th. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good group it's, right there. <laughs> they're just bad. They don't they don't create havoc. Um, yeah, it's yeah. bad. No, I just I it, it's so I'm. And I think some of those numbers might be inflated by our first two opponents this year, too. Yeah. Because, you know, like, it looks like, oh, we've got an aggressive defense against Ford Atlantic and UCLA. Mm-hmm. Um, just no, those teams were just completely in disarray at that point of the season. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so let's talk about, I do want to talk about a defensive coordinator candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, but is, how do yeah. we feel? How do we feel about the rest of the season? Um, I have like, look, S and P plus gives us a 65% chance to beat West Virginia. The projected yeah. margin is six and a half points. I think that, I think that S and P plus is still overrating our defense. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think that this game is at best a toss up. Like agreed. <laughs> yeah. If we didn't have the best offense in the country by a lot, I, I would say we have 0% chance of winning this game. Yeah. Um, but I, my, my feeling it's hard to like, I've been every week we've talked about, you know, what, who needs to lose so we can get up in that top four. And I just, 
I don't, I don't give a shit anymore. That. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I just, I would like us to win our games. And if we make the playoff, fine. We're going to lose. But, like, you know, I just, I'm done caring. I'm not going to root for US. I don't care. I'm not, yeah. I don't care if USC beats Notre Dame this week. Um, I'm just done. I'm done investing that kind of um, emotion into this season because we're going to get embarrassed if we make it anyways. And, yeah. you know, I also, I also just don't think we're going to win this week, you know, and that kind of mm-hmm. puts a damper on the, the whole season because then we don't even get to play for a big 12 title. Yeah. You know? And my, I mean, I, Really, at this point, I just don't want Texas to win the Big 12 title. That's it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's my main thing so far, or, or at mm-hmm. this point. So. Yeah, I'd be really uh, annoyed if Breckenhager gets to finish his career with a title. Um, uh, that guy is that guy's the absolute worst. Like, him yeah. and Tom Herman on, on this. Him, Tom Herman, and Sam Ellinger are literally my three least favorite people in college football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. So let's talk, let's, let's talk about some hope. Yeah. Because uh, generally, I would say, we're a very hopeful podcast <laughs> in terms yeah. of the future, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so there's been some rumors, and we talked about, I think we might have mentioned it last week, about some, some very mild rumors about Pete Golding. Uh, mm-hmm. being the next defensive coordinator at OU and I they've just picked up a lot this week you mm-hmm. know like very credible sources talking about that you know this this seems to be happening like they're not ready to come out and say yeah it's happening and it's just going to take time like they're saying like I'm hearing things and I'm not hearing anything to dispute it you know yeah and yeah. so in generally how this works is like they'll hear stuff and then if it's not true, there will also be just stuff that are like, no, that's not right. You know what I mean? And there just isn't that kind of thing happening right now. Um, so I, I think sooner rather than later, I think within the next month, uh, Pete Golding will be the, the defensive coordinator for OU, um, which pretty huge, I think. Um, we talked about him a couple podcasts ago. Um, young guy would, I think the just the main thing that he would instill uh, on this team is like the dude's been at Alabama for the last year. Like there would just be a complete and total mentality shift in what yeah. he would bring to the, to the, to the table yeah. because everything I read about him is that like when he got to UTSA, he was at UTSA before he was at Alabama. And he took a very passive um, kind of blanket defense and made them just like this insanely aggressive and attacking defense in like his first year. You know, by the time he was done, they were top 10 defense. Um, so I'm really excited by the prospects of it. And like the more um, I've thought about it, I was big on John Heacock. I think uh-huh. that, you know, I was still like John Heacock. I like him a lot, but um I think Pete Golding has a higher ceiling as a defensive coordinator candidate. And that might be exactly what we need right now. We might need a younger guy to come in and just instill energy and mentality mm-hmm. in this defense. Like, and like, if they don't listen to a guy that was just at Alabama and just won a national championship, 
then there's just no hope for any of yeah. these guys. Yeah. You know? No, I agree. Like, if, if slash when the Colding hire is announced, like, I'll be happy. Like, I will be legitimately happy. Um, which I guess raises the question of, like, if this, you know, if slash when this happens, like, what is the timetable moving forward for this defense? So what, what can we expect? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was going to ask you uh, a question, um, mm-hmm. given this a lot of thought, but do you think it's a situation like, let's say at Texas a couple years ago where they had Charlie Strong and I don't even remember who their defensive coordinator was, but they were just horrendous defensively. And then when Todd Orlando got there, he just completely changed their the mentality and their their defense has become like a pretty dang good defense within a couple of years. Um, and they were good last. They were good in lit, like his first year, you know, like it took less than a year for him to get things figured out down there. Um, uh-huh. Or do you think it's a situation where, you know, the mentality has to change? The talent has to improve. Like, are these players not good enough to get the job done? Um and, and it winds up being a multi-year situation where like a lot of these guys have to just cycle through the program so we can get like legit dudes in in that can execute a defensive scheme. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think that there's hope moving forward um, because it's not like we haven't like this. One of the reasons we were so, hopeful coming into this year was that this was our this was our blue chip ratio year right right like it's we have been recruiting like the like we've been bringing in talented players guys like kenneth murray guys like caleb kelly um guys even like neville gallimore guys like buki um you know we've been recruiting four and even some five star players um do we have enough of them? Do we have them everywhere? Are they the right type of guy? Those are the questions that are going to, those are the questions where I'm like, this could take more than a year to fix. Um, but at the same time, like, maybe we do have, maybe we just do have enough. Um, and it's just about putting players in the positions they need to be in to succeed. Like, maybe we'll find out that when all is said and done next year, we will have like an entire secondary of like football players, you know, or maybe not. Right. Um, yeah, I, I kind of fall. You know, I, this is very noncommittal, um, but <laughs> kind of fall in the middle of, I think that we have some talent, but I think the, a lot of the talent that we're going to have moving forward, is going to have been in the 2018 and 2019 class. Yeah. Um, I really, really liked the defensive class that we pulled in in 2018. Thought mm-hmm. I think there's some dudes. And, like, we've seen some of those guys underperform this year, but they've been on the field a lot, and they're getting yeah. experience at least. Um, and I think there's some poten- – like, there's potential in guys like Buki and Ronnie Perkins, mm-hmm. Jalen Redman, obviously. Um, and there yeah. were just – there were a lot more guys that just haven't had a chance to play yet. So I have hope there. I like, especially in the secondary, the guys we have um, for 2019, um, and maybe some guys that we have a chance to close out with. I will. I really like their talent. Um, 
And so that could help improve. The problem <laughs> with next year is I kind of think the 2016 and 2017 classes are kind of ass on defense. Um, yeah. You know, I'm looking the, like the yeah. 2017 class was like, it was a great class. Um, I think it was propped up by, you know, a couple, some offensive skill positions and, and some and offensive line that kind of propped up the class, um, mm-hmm. maybe more than it should have been. And there's also guys that we've just seen play that we're just like, eh, I'm not too sure how good that guy is. You know, like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. If, I think we know Trey Norwood is not good enough to get it done. Um, yeah. There's got uh, Justin Broyles haven't been impressed at all this year. Um, yeah, Levi Draper hasn't been able to get on the field yet. I'm not done with him, but like I just I think there's some issues with a lot of the guys we lost. I mean, a guy like Addison Gums was part of that class, and he's gone. You know, there's yeah. plenty of and there's legitimately if you look at the defensive line class for 2017, the best one might be Dylan Famatau. And, like, yeah. that guy's bad. That guy is not good. Or it might mm-hmm. be Tyrese Lott. Like, there's not difference makers on the defensive front seven from that class. And so that's mm-hmm. an issue. So that's going to put a lot of pressure on the 2018 and 2019 classes to produce very early, you know. And that's a thing that I think could hold us back from being, like, having a dramatic turnaround next year. Yeah. Um, because young guys, they make mistakes. They just do. No matter how talented they are, look at what Ohio State's doing right now. That defense is very young. They're making a ton of mistakes, especially on the back end. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what I would expect to see um, next year. I think I think we'll feel a lot better about what's happening defensively. Um, just, you know, in reading about Pete Golding, and I think we'll be moving to the right direction. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's going to take more than – I think next year is going to be a transition year. It's going to be a learning experience for a lot of a lot of guys, um, and so that might not necessarily result in like dominant defense next year. Um, yeah. So that's that's where I'm at with the situation, and like you know maybe we can come in and like guys like Parnell Motley who have played okay before um, and have some ability can like pull their head out of their ass and just shut up and play. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe we're closer than we think, but I'm just—I've got to see it, man. I've got to see that before I'm even yeah. going to come close to be- to believing it. Otherwise, I think next year it's honestly going to be kind of fun to see a lot of young guys play. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because there's a lot like I, I, Woody Washington, Jamal Morris. Those are guys that I really, really like in the secondary that I think should get opportunities to play next year. Yeah, um, and I, I would be very excited to see that kind of thing happen. So, um, mm-hmm. another thing with Golding though is that like if we get him in early enough, like I think he could have a decent impact on the end of this recruiting cycle. You know, because yeah. he's a young mm-hmm. that dude's a good recruiter. Like that, he's a very young, energetic guy. Like he's he's going to be able to recruit really well, and I think we might be able to to pull a couple guys late that we weren't necessarily expecting. Um, so that's that's another bonus to the to the whole situation. But um, mm-hmm. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I'm I'm gonna be uh, like going into next year. It's gonna I'm gonna be very happy and very excited about next season because I don't think we're gonna have the offense that's like unbelievably dominant. 
you know, next year. So it's like, in a way, there's going to be just less pressure on this team and we can just kind of use it as like a development year, you know? Uh Because like, that's been the thing, like the last two years, especially our offense has been so good that it was like, that was, this was a window that we had to win a national title. And I think we might have missed it. You know, this this specific window, we might have missed it. You know, having Baker yeah. Mayfield, like we definitely missed the Baker Mayfield window. And I think we missed the yeah. Ky- we we missed the Kyler Murray window by not having a defense good enough. So, and I don't, I just don't yeah. think there's going to be a window to a national championship next year. And so, it could be kind of fun just to have lower expectations, almost, you know, and just see how it yeah. goes. It's it's gonna it's so weird, right? Because first off, it's exceedingly rare to have like back to back quarterbacks as good as Baker and Kyler, like to provide like two legitimate windows to a national championship. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's that doesn't happen to everyone. You know, no. I guess it happens to Clemson, but um, yeah, this is. It's frustrating to see both of these squandered, but like moving forward, yeah, lower expectations. I think next year, I I mean, for one thing, I really want Spencer Rattler to win the quarterback job because then I think that next year will be just really fun and relatively low expectations. Yeah, right. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, we might we might go eight and four, like with a true <laughs> freshman quarterback and a defense yeah. that's transitioning and. And like it would suck to lose the four games, and it would, it would hurt. But like, it would be also be like we would know we're building for something else, you know. Yeah. And then in twenty twenty, like we it could might watch those like, games and be like, yeah, like we, we can just be like really excited for when Spencer Rattler and Theo Weiss and and all our juniors and be like, oh yeah, that's gonna be cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm. As as down as I am about this unit this year and how like I'm just honestly just it, like my I'm just my head is blown by how how like seemingly unaware they are, you know, and mm-hmm. just how little effort they're putting into this. Like I still have hope for a lot of the guys that are doing this right now. I think a new leader and just a whole new defensive staff could change a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I so I, I have hope. I have hope for it. It just sucks that we couldn't yeah. couldn't have done this a year ago, and yeah. you know, gone into this year with Pete Golding and having Kyler Murray as his as the quarterback. So, you know, we'll just yeah. we'll have yeah. to, uh, Lincoln's gonna have to live with that um, for a while. I, I I was thinking the other, I was like I wonder how often he regrets not letting Mike Stoops go this offseason yeah. or the before this year, you know, because. Mm-hmm. Do you think he? Do you think he thought that he'd be able to have an offense this good with, without Baker, like this quickly? Well, he'd have to know what Kyler was capable of, right? He would know better than anyone what Kyler was capable mm-hmm. of, right? Um, yeah, I mean, it's possible. Like, you know, I, I think back to that quarterback battle, and it might mm-hmm. be possible that Kyler is better in games. You know, and he just didn't see this coming. Um, yeah. It also, yeah. I mean, he, I, I do think there was a certain amount of, like, fakeness to that battle, but I think it was close mm-hmm. at at least a point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, it's it's the sort of thing where, like, 
and this is something we briefly talked about before we started recording, but like there are degrees to which I think that this offense isn't executing as well as it did last year. Like mm-hmm. last, like just last year was just this masterclass of, of how this scheme of offense can work. This like power spread built around the counter run and play action with pop passes and like, you know, y- creative use of tempo like that was that was just incredible to watch an offense just function as flawlessly as it did like there's like there are rougher edges on this you know like there are drop passes and there are runs that get stuffed you know stuff like and but like fundamentally this like this unit is performing better than last year's unit did and it's because kyler is just like um he's like a tremendous safety blanket just there is no situation that his ability um, can't dig you out of. Right. Well, think about how uh, many. There's um, been multiple third and long situations where that dude is dead to rights, and he like shakes two different guys and is able to run for a first down to keep a drive alive. You know, mm-hmm. like that's happened multiple yeah. times this year. There's been times where he drops the snap and is still able to make something happen. You know. And yeah. And that, yeah, and that's the sort of thing that, like, that happens in games. That does, that's not necessarily something that can happen in practice. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, like, you're just not going to see that when you can get tagged and you're down. Yeah, you know, exactly. Maybe maybe Lincoln didn't know that this this offense was going to be this way. And if, you know, I mean, I I think he had a certain amount of confidence in my speech. I think certainly if you had told him last year that, God. Um, yeah, I think certainly if you had, if you had told him last year that like Rodney was going to get hurt against UCLA, this would not have been what he thought this team would do. No. Well, and I, yeah, I think that that plays into pretty significantly to why there's some, some issues sometimes, you know, like, and put Rodney mm-hmm. Anderson on this offense, you know, Kennedy Brooks is great. Yeah. Rodney Anderson was maybe the best running back in the country. Yeah. Like he was, he like coming in here. He was maybe, like he was certainly on like Doak Walker watch lists for sure. Mm-hmm. He would be a, he would probably be a Walker finalist. And there were, there were, there were far more people saying that Rodney would be the guy in New York than Kyler would be the guy in New York before this year. You know, there yes. was, yeah. you know, there were pe- people saying that both could, but it, Rodney was definitely the more popular pick. You know, and mm-hmm. that dude's missed all but basically a game and a quarter. So, um, yeah, no, that that's it's pretty unbelievable. Um, God, I just it in like again with the effort thing is mm-hmm. how can you not have enough? Like, all, can do they not know that if they just got their shit figured out a little bit, that we would easily like be one of the best teams in the country? That not just enter their head, you know? I mean, we're number six without them bothering to. Yeah. I really do think that plays into it. Like, this team's tremendous success in spite of their enormous fail- failings. I think it definitely is, like, sort of a mental block that there. Mm-hmm. To me, what I just wonder is, like, what happens in practice, you know? Yeah. Like, I, when that yeah. defense, like... What does scrimmages between this defense and that offense look like? I don't know. Like, how is that even, like, a teachable moment for these guys? Right. 
Well, it's just every every fucking off season, you get reports about how like the defense actually won this scrimmage. They look better today than the offense did, and I just don't see how that's ever a thing. Like mm-hmm. ever, like it seems like yeah. the offense would just go up and down the field against a defense that an offense that can do literally anything against a defense that can stop literally nothing. It yeah. seems like there would just be no stops ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Do we have anything else we want to talk about? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Um, I think we're, we're definitely going to talk about the the West Virginia game. I think you said Tuesday, so hopefully we can make that work. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. I mean, we, I hopefully we can get maybe one of the other guys on to talk about that. Because uh, I would be yeah. interested in there. I want to hear what they had to say about the Kansas game, too. Because, like, mm-hmm. I just, it was unbelievable, man. It was unbelievable. Yeah. It's, yeah. All right. Um, thanks for listening to this uh, special explicit version of the Oklahoma Drill. Um, you can subscribe yeah, to the podcast we'll, on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Oh, what did you say? We'll, we'll clean up the language for the next the next podcast. Yes. Yeah. Um, Oh, oh, you interrupted my thing. Um, my bad. You can follow us on Twitter at RWMaxi and at uh, Alex P. Party. Um, if you've enjoyed the podcast, uh, leave a review or share it with a friend. And we'll see you later in the week.